All right, thanks. Thanks, babe, for joining me on episode zero of the Thanks Coach podcast. No problem. Can I call you babe or can I call you Tara? Um, or the other name I call you? There is no other name. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Tara's fine. Okay. All right. Good, 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 good. Okay. So for the listeners who's listening, they're probably thinking like, okay, why is my wife on um, episode zero? Well, she's going to interview me to kind of parse the ideas and the concepts you guys are going to be hearing uh, throughout the show. Cause that's my wife. She's hearing, um, she's hearing all the episodes. She's hearing all the um, brainstorming. So she'll better, she'll be, um, she's better able to help develop and open up the ideas for you guys. Uh, but so before we, we jump in to the podcast, uh, there's, uh, we have, we have something in common in regards to coaching in regards to how we first met. Right. Right. Uh, do you want to tell the story or should I, um, you go ahead because then I'll start telling the story and you'll interrupt and tell me I'm a bad storyteller. <laughs> right, that's true. That's and- true. So the way how this story goes is I went to one church, you went to another church and we had to share a bus because right. we were heading to a church event. Yeah. In the States. In the States. And so at the time I wasn't a Christian and neither were you no. at the time. Um, but I was invited as the unsaved guy, guy who they're trying to convert. And I had a ride. I mean, I had a seat on the way down to the event. And I sat by myself. I didn't have any friends or anybody to sit with. And then on the way back, I didn't have a seat. Someone took well, someone took my seat. So I had to find another seat. And so uh, I asked for a seat beside you, even though the seat wasn't available because you had your foot, you had your feet up on the yeah, you're, sure. you're interrupting my planned sleep. So I had, a, I actually had my own seat on the way down and I had my own seat obviously on the way back up. So I had two like seats in like a coach bus. And so, you know, when you go on these trips, you're with your friends and you don't sleep usually the best. And so that you always plan to sleep on the way back. So, um, I don't know how miserable I looked, but I was like, oh great. Now this guy's going to come interrupt my sleep. I won't be able to sleep now. I can't cock up my feet, but that's that's the way we met yeah yeah so basically we met on a bus and i needed a seat and i asked her can i sit there and so she kindly let me sit next to her and so of course you know it's a long bus ride back home and we started talking mm-hmm. and we had a lot in common yeah surprisingly yeah and the thing we had in common was uh basketball and coaching mm-hmm. so i coached i coached guys you knew yeah, so I very close uh, family friends of ours, mm-hmm. um, or mine rather, um, were his basketball players. Well, yeah, yeah. So, so guys who play play for me, and then a guy. So, so the two guys who played for me were Terrell, recipes, and I don't know if it was Omari and Shavar. Oh, okay. And Shavar, and then Omari played with me. I've played with Omari a couple times. I went to high school with him. Played high school ball together and league ball together. So we had that in common. And then mm-hmm. um, my boss, Mike Morgan, <laughs> a.k.a. Babsy, <laughs> he was your... He was my basketball coach and a really good friend of my dad as well. So probably like from like Rexdale days. But yeah, he was my basketball coach when I played 
um, league basketball. Yeah. So okay. So and yeah, and yo. So you play. You've played basketball. You've been coached before. Mm-hmm. So we had that in common that you know I played. You played, and we have the same kind of community in common. So it's just funny how you know coaching has you know opened up the door and brought us together in in a way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, for sure. Yeah. Okay. So let's. So um, without further ado, um, my question to you is: Why another podcast? Okay, so for those of you who don't know, I have another podcast called The Sixth Sense Report with uh, me and my co-host Joel Nikoloff, and we talk about the Canadian economy from a theological and economic perspective. Mm-hmm. So we do that every Fridays, um, but this was more like a passion project, something that was very close to my heart, which is basketball. For anybody, for those guys who don't know me, basketball well, was my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and was my God um, before my conversion to Christianity. And and so, you know, it's always been a passion of mine. And yeah, I, I stepped away from coaching for a long period of time because I just didn't want to be a part of, you know. The madness? Ba- no, it wasn't just madness, just basketball because I really loved basketball so much it was just becoming an idol. So mm-hmm. I kind of cut myself off from it for a very long time. And I just recently got back into coaching, more so training, working guys out. Um, nothing, nothing too formal. Not, you know, I'm not, I'm not like Justin Alleman or Dalston, Coach Davio Rodney, you know, Vidal Messiah, any of those guys. Uh, this is just, you know, me helping out family and friends. They're like, yo, you know, come work my kid out real quick. So I was doing that and getting back into that sphere. And so I needed, I was like, okay, it's been a while since I did this. Let me go and um, get some help. Let me go and seek some advice. And I went to go talk to my high school basketball coach who I haven't spoken to in probably 25, 25 years. I haven't haven't spoke to Mr. Hamilton. And so, you know, I, I sat down with him. It was a good conversation. And so, a couple of the, my old buddies were kind of asking, like, oh, how did that go? Right? And I was like, oh. I was explaining it to him because me and uh, Mr. Hamilton, we met for like two hours just talking and just kind of catching up. And so it's kind of hard to tell everybody what happened. And so I was like, okay, you know what? Let me go back and record the conversation with him. And then at the same time, I'm watching um, this YouTube channel that I like to watch, uh, the Tony Mack Show. And then I saw one of the guys I used to coach as a little kid. And I was like, oh my gosh, this guy's, you know, he's grown up now, Manny. Mm-hmm. Right? So I was like, okay. So I was like, and this was the same week. And I was like, okay, you know, let me hit up Manny, see how he's doing. And then I sat, you know, me and Manny sat down and talked. And it was a good long conversation again. And, you know, and, you know, a couple of people were like, hey, how did that conversation go? And I was like, uh, I tried to explain. Of course, you can't explain a whole two hour conversation. I said, okay, you know what? Maybe I should record it. So that's how the podcast kind of came up where I was like, okay, you know what, let me, because I, I have a lot of connections. I have a lot of connections in basketball. There's guys who's coached me, guys who I play with who coach. Right. And then guys who I coach as little kids who are grown men now who are coaching. So there's a, like a lot of overlap. Uh, there's a lot of overlap with that. And the way I like to explain it is, you know, basketball has given me family. He's given me fathers. He's given me brothers and he's given me sons. Yeah. 
Okay. And then, so why the title Thanks Coach? Yeah. So first of all, I want to thank my do-gooder, Brian Perez, for helping me with the branding and bringing the ideas together. So he helped me, you know, come up with the term or coin the term Thanks Coach. If you guys have any branding and you, you want done and you want it to look hip, you want it to look current, you want it to look professional, holler at my guy, Brian Perez, brianperezdesign.com. And as for the imaging of the podcast, it was meant to be more of like a scrapbook kind of theme where I'm like reflecting, uh, gathering memories. And the album cover, the guy you see me talking to is my dad. And also shout out to my little brother, Phil Darko, for uh, writing that dope verse for me for the intro. Uh, check him out at Phil Darko on Darko Hip Hop. Uh, thanks, Coach. Is basically, yeah, just paying homage and going back to you know good manners and and being and being appreciative of the work that the volunteering time that coaches actually put in mm-hmm. now i know like some coaches yeah you know aren't all good but there are coaches who do change your life forever and right. there was a series of coaches who did that for me now as a grown man i can look back because sometimes you see the, the the stuff that coaches used to do back then and you're kind of like yo this guy's crazy Mm -hmm. but now i'm a grown man and i'm seeing these things in a real way and i thank god um for these guys because it helped you know save my sanity and and help me become a better person Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and so who is this podcast for Uh, this podcast is for uh, fathers who have sons right men that mentor boys for single moms who are raising sons and and I think it's it's, it's important to be gender uh, specific because men and women the premise is men and women are not the same mm-hmm. yeah agreed so also I saw a need for content that touched on human development through sports as it relates to the athlete psyche so part of it is there's So there's been a misconception about the environments that breed toxic masculinity, which is, you know, competitive sports. Mm-hmm. So I really wanted to address that issue, especially, um, you know, when it comes to the issues of adversity, hypersensitivity, and ungratefulness. Mm-hmm. Okay. Speaking of male development, I've been reading a book called The Boy Crisis, Why Our Boys Are Struggling and what we can do about it by Warren Farrell. In his lecture, he gives an argument for the importance of male coaching in young boys' lives. Here's an audio clip of it. Roughhousing, coaching, and play, those, become, those are three dad traits. And those three dad traits tend to create a bond with the child. That bond makes the child feel that the dad is involved as an ally in his team. The child then becomes receptive to criticism from the dad because the child perceives the dad as helping him or her become a winner against an adversary. So in schools that really train boys and girls well, they give a huge amount of physical activity at the beginning. They have the children in the school uh, involved with coaches 
But the key difference is that the coaches that help them at the beginning of the day stay with in contact with them throughout the whole day. So if they run into an algebra problem they can't solve, or they just are giving up on reading because it's quote too boring or whatever, that the coach stays with them and takes the same skills of, okay, you overcame this when you were in the physical activity, you can overcome this algebra problem, you can overcome this reading problem, you can overcome your adversary. But the child and the parent have to have a bond first. That bond comes from the physical activity um, very frequently and, and through coaching, through um, playing, through roughhousing together. No, the reason mothers don't understand that is because dads haven't done their homework about why they're useful. And women can't hear what men don't say. So how do you think that this fits in with the podcast? Nowadays, there aren't many dads in the home. And so men in the community have attempted to fill that role through coaching via sports. We heard Dr. Farrell make the connection between physical activity and mental toughness. He also made a good point about letting men be men and raise these boys. Today, the culture is on a toxic masculinity witch hunt, throwing the baby out with the bathwater. When men look down on women, it's called misogyny. But when women look down on men, it's called misandry, a word many never heard because it's rarely ever applied. Men need women just as much as women need men. That's why I think it's important to listen to and say thanks, coach. And so why do you want people, what, sorry, what do you want people to take away after listening to the podcast? I want them to do two things. One, become better coaches in the formal sense, in the informal sense, like on the court and then off the court. And what that means is, you know, you're the coach during the game, but also you're learning how to be a better parent, a better friend, and mentoring those below you. And secondly, uh, being appreciative of those people that invest time into you and saying thanks, coach, and that you would in turn invest time into others in a way like paying it forward. Especially for guys who are doing it now, they know the amount of time that yeah. goes into volunteering as a coach to pick guys up to pick um, guys up to take them you're taking them out um in some cases you're some doing, guys are hungry some guys are hungry you're doing more uh, mm -hmm. their parents are around and or just like sometimes taking away from their family time like even if i think about my coaches mm -hmm. um and uh and the time that that it take it took away from their family because it's not just okay you guys have a game it's okay you guys have a practice and mm -hmm. depending on how competitive you are it's multiple practices then it's your game and then it's tournament and then it's like other follow up and there's like back end scenes that are like people strategizing like I see you do it in terms of training other guys and so you're prepping before you even get to the session so yeah and and part of it too is like I I look at it like this you know that's why i'm not coaching now mm -hmm. like for me like because sometimes guys aren't uh, uh, um that's why i'm coaching now that's why i'm not coaching now because it seems like a lot of times guys aren't uh grateful and so i look at it like this well okay if you're not going to appreciate my time you know or respect the time yeah respect my time uh my wife will like for the, sure. yeah you know what i mean like i'd rather watch netflix with you yeah yeah you know we could cuddle and you know what i mean and eat cheesecake and and watch our shows and and laugh you know and the bottom line is you know i like you better than i like those kids mm -hmm. i hope so 
<laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I, I don't like the kids, you know, more than I like you. So, you know, if the kid's being, you know. A knucklehead. Yeah. Then I'm just like, you know, that's okay. That's cool, man. Because I got my boo at home. We can go and go out to the movies and eat steak and kick it. So mm-hmm. that's how I see it. So the kids have to be extra nice for me to, and I, and work hard for me to, you know, to, to you know, spend time with them you know okay so that kind of moves into our next question of so how did it all start how did you get involved in coaching so we know like you played a lot but how did you start the the coaching process process uh, i kind of got thrown into it so i used to play in the summer league and you know (laughs) back then summer league wasn't as organized as it is now and so sometimes some teams would like in the younger league uh, they would play like before our games, mm-hmm. and I lived across the street. And maybe we could talk about that, yeah, later. But yeah, but um, basically before my game, you know, the kids' games would be the younger guys would be before me, and so sometimes they didn't have um, they didn't have uh, coaches, so then they would have to like ask the players, the older guys from the older league to come down and, oh and coach gosh. the and it wasn't even they weren't even younger kids they were just like two or three years younger than us right so it's not like little kids you're coaching they're still like your peers you're mm-hmm. coaching so you know guys like uther so yeah. uther was one of those guys that, that first got pulled into that um curtis curtis mensa was also so, so those, i pulled into like you got they were coaching, coaching. With yeah you? yeah, oh, yeah okay. no they weren't coaching with me but those were the first guys i saw that were my age playing in the my league and then like after their game they're like coaching the younger guys. So, um, you know, I got pulled on. I wasn't a head coach. Those guys were head coaches. But I was brought on as an assistant for Dwayne Beckford Allen. Okay. Yeah, so Dwayne um, Dwayne was coaching. He was a head coach of a team. And he said, yo, you know, I need an assistant. You know, can you come on my bench and, and sit, you know, and just sit on my bench and, and be my assistant? Uh, that year we ended up winning the championship. You know, <laughs> shout out to Dwayne. Yeah, and he was he was a really good coach. He was really good, and so I would just sit on his bench, and you know, after he'd rough up the kids, <laughs> then I, I would be like, you know, uh, you know, trying to console them and also trying to um, reiterate what what Dwayne was preaching to them. Right. Um, so that was a lot of fun. And so you know, you know, and I, and I'm shout out to Dwayne for putting me on like that. So since then, I um after I finished coaching with uh, Dwayne in the summer league like i was coaching for 10 years after that mm-hmm. like every season in every league i was coaching uh whether it was for toronto community housing mm-hmm. at work because they had like coaching programs i was coaching in that and then i was coaching in the house leagues and then i was coaching rep and i had my own rep program mm-hmm. and so i was coaching all over the place for like 10 years just straight and yeah so that was a lot of fun so over that time, over your initial introduction with Dwayne and you coaching for the next 10 years, what would you say your philosophy your or your coaching style is? Uh, well, my, my coaching style, I would say I'm like, I'm like Tupac in the movie Juice. I'm so like you're Bishop. crazy? Yeah. You're insane. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. No, it's more so like um I I know people are like, "What? What do you mean Tupac in the movie Juice?" I mean, like Tupac, he was intense. 
And he was always fiery. Mm-hmm. And he was always confrontational. We want from the cops. We want from Rodimus. We want from security guards. We want from old man quills in the store when he come with that shit gun. All he do is run. Like I'm on the goddamn track team. Check yourself, Q. You gotta snap some collars and let us know you had to take them out anytime you feel like it. You gotta get the ground beneath your feet, partner. Get the wind behind your back and go out in a blaze if you got to. I remember watching that as a kid and remembering how convincing Tupac was. And anybody who knows Tupac knows that he's a passionate, convincing guy. And that's the kind of person I want to be as a coach. Minus all the negativity and the cussing, of course. (laughs) Okay, so we've heard about your passionate style. But what would you say your philosophy is? Philosophically, I believe, as the great Frederick Douglass once said, It is easier to build strong children than to repair broken men. Meaning that it's all about development for me, especially at a young age. Making children strong means applying resistance or pressure. Just like when we go to the gym and we lift weights, there has to be some kind of resistance. So depending on the kid, you give them a particular measure of resistance that they can handle to make them stronger. Um, and the hopes is them becoming better men. So for me, winning isn't everything. Um, and I won't sacrifice integrity and respect uh, for winning. I don't care about winning that much. I think there's a lot more to learn from losing than there is winning. I'm always pushing guys. I'm, I'm a pushy person. And I'm always challenging and I'm always pushing a person's buttons to see how far I can push you. Uh, And so I've always said to my players, like, if I'm not if I'm not batting you up, then I probably don't care about you. Mm -hmm. And that's it. So if if I'm not if I'm not like roughing you up, then I probably don't care about you and don't believe in you. Um, And so my thing is, like, if I believe in you, I'm 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 going to put my foot in your ass. You know, I'm, I'm going to come after you. I'm going to be aggressive with you right. and push you. So in light of that, in light of you learning all these bad, well, bad, but negative experiences sometimes, what do you think makes a successful coach? Oh, uh, you know, because you, you in, general, some... in general, it's not always about wins and losses. So. Oh, no. Oh, no. Wins and losses has, has nothing to do with it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wins and losses has nothing to do with a good coach, but being understanding people. Because at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's people management. You're, uh, you're managing personalities. So having good interpersonal skills and learning how to read people. Right. Uh, so I, I think I'm very good at reading people and knowing how to push people's buttons and when not to push a person's buttons. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that's what makes a good coach is being able to to read your guys, manage the personalities, and also maximize the talent that you have, right? So maximizing, okay, look, this is what I have to work with and taking um, something, you know, or t- turning nothing and turning it into something. I, I can think of a uh, an example that happened as a coach that I... Um, that helped me understand that principle. So I was coaching in, what was it? Yeah, I was coaching summer league and I had um, this kid on my team um, who was caught, who was giving me trouble. Actually, you know, the kid, Jonathan from uh, J pro. Oh, oh, oh yeah. Okay, so I was coaching okay. J pro. 
So you know, yo God, yo God bless him, man. Like he was a really good open floor defender. He was aggressive, but just like you see him now as a grown man, he's ambitious. Mm-hmm. So he's coming to me and he's like, yo, like coach, like yo, you gotta give me the rock, like you, you gotta, you gotta give me more playing time. And he just wasn't that good then. And so, you know, I'm, I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm trying to, trying to brush him to the side. I'm like, come on, John, like yo, like just sit, sit on the bench and you play when I tell you to play. And he's, he's ambitious. He's like, yo, you got to put me on. And he's just not that good then. And so, you know, or I did something. In comparison to some of the other players, you mean? Yeah. Like his, his skill set just wasn't developed to that point. Like he was a very good open floor defender. You know, very good. But not a guy who I can give all that responsibility to. And so, you know, I did something that you rarely ever do in house league. You trade guys. You don't trade kids. You know, you just don't do that. You know, you should work with what you got. But, you know, he was asking for more and him being an ambitious kid. I said, okay, you know what? I'm going to get rid of him. And so I traded him for another kid who was not, who was a little bit better than Joe, uh, better than um, John, but he he was coming off the bench on, 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 um, on his team. So you're basically trading two bench guys. You know what I mean? And so, you know, he traded them and the kid I got, his name was Jojo. And, you know, Jojo was a little bit better than John in his skill set. And so my team was already bad. So my team was like last place. Yeah, we were terrible. So so I got Jojo and I said to Jojo, I said, okay, look, man, I'll let you, I'll give you the green light. And for those of you who don't know what the green light is, the green light is when a coach gives you the green light, you can do whatever you want. So I said to him, I'm like, look, on your last team, you barely played. You came off the bench. On this team, I'm giving you the green light. All I ask is that you be responsible. You make sure everybody's, you know, in the spots they're supposed to be. Um, and that you're helping guys on the floor. And I'll leave you on the floor. And your shots will come. You'll get, you can do whatever you want. As long as everybody's getting their touches and getting their shots. But when it comes crunch time, it's all you. Well, of course, what do you think Jojo says? Yeah, sure. Yeah, he's like, what? Flip. He's like, of course. He's like, yeah, I, I got you, coach. Now, Jojo wasn't that good, but I put him, I was putting him in the, in the best position, best position so he could be successful based on his skill set. Like, he, he couldn't shoot from far. He couldn't really create off the dribble. Um, but he can get in, you know, do floaters. He was good at medium. So I was making sure medium range jumper. So I was making sure I was putting him in those positions to do that. Mm-hmm. And man's making shots. You know, he's playing well. We're, you know, winning games here and there. Um, and so what ends up happening, the season ends like this, right? Uh, you know, we go to the playoffs and my whole mindset is, okay, my team's last place. Nobody's looking at me. We're garbage. But in my head, I'm like, okay, you know, it's one and done, right? You win. It's not a seven-game series like in the NBA. So I'm like, okay. I just basically study the other teams. I get their statistics. Um, I find the um, the scores mm-hmm. um, from everybody throughout the whole season. And then I do the math of how much guys are averaging, right? So through like the last three or four games of the season, I'm telling my guys, I'm like, okay, look, we're practicing to win a championship. That's what we're doing for these next four games. We're not concerned about winning. We're going to set little goals within the game and mm-hmm. we're going to aim for it. Yeah. This team averages this amount of points and a half. We're going to cut that in half. If we can keep them under this amount of points in 10 minutes, 
that were we've won, mm-hmm. even though we may lose in the end. Yeah. And we kept, I kept reinforcing like, okay, five minutes, five minutes, we hold them to this. Ten minutes, we hold them to this. Um, on this possession, I don't want, we don't give up anything. Just slowed, we just slowed everything down. So when we got to the playoffs, right, um, you know, we got out the first round, right? Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. then we ended up, we got to the championship game. And then when we got to the championship game, we're playing against uh, Jeremy Jones. I don't know Jeremy Jones. Oh, Jeremy Jones, Jeremy, <laughs> Jeremy's listening to this. And so he was, um, he was, um, his team was number one and he was like the best player in the league at the time. So if you guys don't know, don't sleep on Jeremy. Jeremy was hooping back in the day. He's a photographer now. He's on my Facebook. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he he was hooping back in the day. He went to Centennial. And so, you know, we were playing against his team. You know, we're the last place team. He's the number one place team. You know, he's the best player in the league. And I'm like, okay, cool. They don't, you know, of course, they're probably like laughing at us. Like, and, these guys are a joke. Yo, yo, bro. <laughs> <laughs> so the whole time right you know so my guys are like super prepared because they know how much points they average in a half how much they average in a game right um you know i've already i've already been scouting you know you know jeremy's weaknesses so yeah long story short we won the game we won the championship with the worst team with the worst team and with jojo and jojo led the way and Mm -hmm. then you know down the stretch you know now i'm putting jojo in his spots and now JoJo's looking like the best player in the mm. league. You're like, yo, what the heck? I'm like, JoJo. This, this is jo- I had JoJo on my bench. Yo, <laughs> right. I took JoJo and we won the championship that year. Uh, yeah, I know Jeremy was pissed after that. But, I mean, we won. And, and that showed me. I'm like, oh, wait. Like, yo, I think I'm pretty good at this coaching thing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, jo- you know, JoJo, you know, he, he, just, he just said, yo, thanks, coach. He's like, yeah, this is like the best. Now, he didn't go on to, you know, play college or anything. But he can look back at that time and say, yo, like, as Darnell, I was hooping. I, I, was, I was the guy, and I led my team to a championship. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that, that was one of those experiences that I, that I always cherish. And, you know, and shout to Jay Pro, um, you know, and, you know, every time, we, you know, we see him, you know, it's, uh, you know, I see it was always, you know, a good old laugh. And I'm glad he's doing his thing, doing the videography and photography. So if you guys don't know, check out uh, Jay Pro. Yes, uh, if you need a wedding photographer. Yeah, wedding photographer, videographer. Hit up him and his wife. They'll yeah. hook you up. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. His stuff, his stuff is straight professional. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So managing, so the key to successful coach, just to reiterate, is managing personalities and great interpersonal skills. And that way you can kind of, mm-hmm. well, I'm saying manage again, but manage the, t- the, d- the diverse personalities on your on your team. Mm-hmm. And so with that, to that end, so what would... What do you feel? Well, you kind of answered it. I was going to say, what was your biggest success as a coach? So would you say that that was your biggest success? Yeah. Oh, no, no. That was definitely my biggest, biggest success as a coach. And like, yeah. Yeah. And what was your biggest failure as a coach? <laughs> oh, my biggest failure. I think, you know, especially being a young coach, you know, sometimes you get caught up in the moment and, you know, you say things you shouldn't have said. Mm-hmm. You know, and I and I roughed up some kids. I, 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 you know, I shouldn't have roughed up. Right. You know, and and especially like in the heat of battle. You know, you 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 know, it's not like you know, it's not like you're. It's a calm moment. You know, you know the crowd's going wild, and you know you you gave instructions for something to happen, and it didn't happen. You ask the kid what happened, and the kid's turn around, and he's yelling at you. 
You know, now you're yelling back and forth. You're going back and forth. You know, and I've said some things that I shouldn't have said. You know, and I, and I apologize. And it's a learning experience. And you know, me and the you know the kid are cool. Um, but definitely, you know, when the emotions are running high, you know, sometimes when you're thrown into the fire and now you're actually in the moment, um, you get caught up in the moment. And there's and you'll listen to the podcast and you'll hear um, stories of when I got caught up in the moment. Mm-hmm. And and said and did some things I'm not proud of, mm-hmm. some terrible things I've done. You just lost it. Oh, some terrible things that I've done, um, that I'm not proud of. But it's important to make sure that those things are documented in that, like it's a learning process, and it's only made me better, um, a better person and a better coach because of it. So you mentioned a lot about coaching, but I know from being your wife that you have, like, you come from like a basketball family because every time there's like gatherings and get-togethers oh you guys always get together so what is or what are some of your fondest memories um playing basketball okay well well for me of course it starts with you know always for me it starts with michael jordan uh when i was like grade four grade five going over to uh, solomon's house my friend solomon (laughs) shout to solomon and uh, a couple of us went over to his house one day and he had uh michael jordan's playground on vhs because it was his brother mohit's and so, yeah, I, you know, I've heard of Michael Jordan, but I never sat down, you know, because it's not like now when you had games on TV all the time mm-hmm. or on YouTube. So we're watching the VHS and I was blown away. I was blown away. After that, I was hooked. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I just, yeah, that was it. I was sold. And so basketball was my thing. And, you know, so part of it is basketball was everywhere for me. So my mom and dad never pushed me into it. It was... So, for example, my cousins, um, you you hear a lot about on the podcast. So, my cousin Dwayne, Mark, we call him Biggie, and Andre, uh, Andre Mitchell, who played. Nickname? Pardon? Didn't he have a nickname too? Some weird nickname. Oh no! Um, uh, Trench? No, 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 no. I don't. No, no. He's he didn't have. Oh, well, not an, not an appropriate one. Okay, never mind. Sorry, Dre. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> not an appropriate one. But um, so it was me, Andre, and Dwayne who used to, you know, we grew up playing together. So the way how it works out is this. In my neighborhood, I grew up in McCarty Court. So um, when Dwayne would come over to sleep over when we were kids, you know, we would play basketball with a tennis ball on on um, the, uh, you, you know, the like the metal the, the 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 metal brown pole that goes across the like the support closets? beams the support beams in your basement oh the brown yeah, support yeah. beams in your basement mm-hmm. so yeah and and you know how you had the piping mm-hmm. through the wooding yeah so me and biggie oh sorry sorry yeah so everybody knows him as biggie so i'll just refer to him as biggie so we would we would have a tennis ball and we would use that as a basketball hoop and we, we'd be like dunking on the support beam and we would watch like NBA inside stuff and we would imitate the stuff we would see mm-hmm. and we'd be playing with a tennis ball on support beams yeah. and, and dunking on the piping. <laughs> so, you know, like so I'm hanging on the, the, the piping in the basement. Right? right? Trying to dunk on the piping. I know, right? You're like, come on, man. And so when we would go outside, they, they didn't have hoops at McCarty Court back then. Uh, so they had uh, a monkey bars. Mm-hmm. Right? Because they, they had basketball courts but then you know the older kids are on them yeah no but it was attracting the wrong attention you know mm. you know a lot of brothers coming out you don't want that in the community a lot of trouble so you know they got rid of it and so we ended up playing on monkey bars and so 
anybody who's listening who grew up with us, yeah, we, we just hooped on monkey bars for a very long time. So that's what we did when they were in my neighborhood. When we went to Biggie's neighborhood, when I slept over at his house, you know, we would play at his park and we would make a makeshift basketball hoop out of a tire or, or a makeshift basketball hoop in the tennis court. Right. Right. Or then in the, in the nighttime, we would go to Sir Winston Churchill and play pickup basketball there. Mm -hmm. And then when we would go to my grandma's house, which we went to um, middle school at Conestoga, uh, they didn't have basketball hoops there. So we used to hoop on a brick wall. And there used to be like a section on a brick wall that we would highlight. Mm-hmm. Wasn't we, there like those like little yellow paint squares or something like that? No, no, no. no that? It oh. wasn't even that. It was just a spot on the brick wall. And we would play basketball on it on recess. And so now you're going to the basket and you're dunking or, or you're doing a layup and you're running into the brick wall every time. You're, you're hitting the wall every time you're trying to do that. But that, that that's where we played. And then when we go to Andre's house, you know, the kids, you know, they, you know, bring the basketball court on, onto the street and then we would hoop there or we'll go to his friend's house and hoop and the point is like we were hooping all the time in our bedrooms we used to make hanger hoops Mm -hmm. we'd take like four hangers bend it into a circle tape it up take a grocery bag make a mesh and me and biggie and andre were hooping we're hooping in the bedroom bedroom smelling frowsy (laughs) things smelling frowsy just but that but the point is like we were hooping all the time and so there wasn't there was there was no there was nothing else that's all we did was hoop mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah yeah so it was it was a lot of fun it was a lot of fun because both all three of us played together I would say did you guys ever did you guys ever end up playing yeah, together yeah 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 so 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 we played in the same leagues um and and then we ended up playing on the same team we ended up playing rep um for josh uh together so so that that was that was a lot of fun traveling with with those guys um, and even Justin, my younger cousin Justin was playing and I was coaching him. And that's where I was kind of getting into, first getting into training was with Justin. And then mm-hmm. I coached Justin in, in, in the summer league and we won championship then. And, mm-hmm. you know, so all of us were always, we were always um, steady hooping. So, yeah, yeah, the, definitely the basketball thing starts with, uh, with, with us three, us four. Yeah. Okay, so now let me ask you a question. Okay. Because uh, you know me best. Uh, sorry, let me say that again. Okay, so I have a question for you. You know me best. Like, as a coach, h- how would you how would you assess me as a coach, on and off the floor? Especially like in 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 yeah, just on and off the floor. On and off the floor. Okay, so um, as much as like I know you gave the story initially earlier with um, you coaching T and uh, Shavar and Omari and you guys all playing together, I never actually saw you in those in those particular circumstances. Yeah, and, and it's funny. Which is quite odd because yeah. I was always at their games like in the summer. Yeah. Like, I guess, but I guess I was I was in at the summer games or at the games where um, my dad and Phil were coaching those guys. Yeah. So yeah. like there was a period of time where you were coaching them and there was a period of time when when um, Uncle Phil was coaching right. T and everybody else. And so I think I was at those games, but I've never, but we were always in the same spaces, but for some reason, like I never saw you. Yeah, because there was a time where I was playing with Omari. Omari was on my team. And yeah, like technically, you could have, you could have, you, you know, in God's providence, you could have easily been at one of those games. And I very well could have been, but I just, yeah, yeah. no, I don't, yeah. even, like I have no recollection of you, which yeah. is funny. Yeah. But I do remember seeing, I do obviously know you as coaching and training guys now. And so seeing you on the court in, in that sphere and also being your wife, I I see like the same 
tactics still being used, whether you're on the floor or off the floor. It's almost like in some ways, like you can't even turn it off. It's just like almost like it's just like who you are. Mm -hmm. So I find that like you have a very take charge attitude. Uh, You're very directed um, and you're very you're very focused and you're always strategizing like everything is like a strategy sometimes in your head and if I yeah think yeah about, when like, people call me they ask you well, yo what are you up to i'm like i'll be on plotting and planning plotting and planning yeah like you're always like thinking of something or like i don't know try to maneuver a mastermind or in some ways i think get over on people yeah but, and you know what and i just want to also note like part of it too and that's why i kind of went away from coaching and i stopped coaching because like i couldn't turn my brain off mm-hmm. like i couldn't i couldn't shut down thinking about how to get better like I, like I'm just obs- I was just obsessed with getting better and mm-hmm. winning and improving so that was one of the things yeah I had to step away from when it came to basketball right so we'll get back to that whole winning and improving I'll tell you guys a story about that one um, but like the first in terms of like the take charge very directed focused um, sentiment would probably be the, the time that I noticed it the most was when we were planning our wedding and you know everybody knows wedding planning is a very stressful time and there's a lot of emotions involved and some good and some bad and uh, people's feelings are always like at an all-time high because there's always these expectations there's these standards good and bad and there was a time where I was feeling a lot of pressure in many ways from my family and from like parents, aunts, uncles, cousins, not uncles because men don't really care about those things, but aunts and parents and cousins and things of that sort. And so I remember there was an incident that happened and I just, it was just too much. And so I like called Arnell and I was complaining and I didn't really tell him to do anything about it. I thought he was just going to listen. Um, and then all of a sudden I realized that he called, he called my mom and he called my aunt and he didn't say anything mean to them. He was just, he was just, he just really took up for me. and was just like, you know what? Like this is a lot and I need you guys to really just like lay off. Cause like she's trying her best and she's doing her best and things of that sort. And like, so I would, I did, I've heard about it after and I wasn't really sure at one point how I felt about it, but also I wasn't really sure like how my family was going to handle that interaction but i think in all it, like it actually endeared darnell to them in a in, in more oh, in more of a way so. <laughs> in more of a way because it was they were just like wow like they really care he really cares about my daughter he really cares about my niece so much so to say something to us and call us out when he feels like his wife is being wronged and he's not afraid to like pick up the phone and call and being like look you guys can't do this anymore like you guys can't like call her and, and bother in her and antagonize her. I, I don't even know what you said, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, and yeah, for those who know, yeah, mar- you know, wedding planning is a very stressful thing for, for the bride. You know, so again, but... Yeah, so basically you just you just kind of like address the issue and like from that moment forward, it was kind of like more of like a calm sentiment where it was just like people still gave their opinions or whatever the case was and it was and it was welcomed and I adjusted and like you, you adjust accordingly. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was not the amount of pressure and accosting I like I felt that was happening at the time after mm-hmm. after that incident and like even actually to this day like people kind of still joke like oh you know don't 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 rough up Tyra too much because Darnell might get involved mm-hmm. and it actually is the case because he might just get involved mm-hmm. and that's part of his like directed focused and always taking charge attitude like he sees a problem and he's gonna fix it 
and people may not necessarily agree with the methods but he sees the problem and he's going to fix it and you're either going to like him or you're going to hate him and he doesn't really care either but yeah well and i think you know this is you know for me the way i look at it is this is team samuels now so you're on my team and nobody's going to mess with my team mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that's how i saw it and, and i was letting them know like look this is this is a different thing that's going on here so yeah yeah so that was probably like a positive experience i think in that same vein in terms of his like all or nothing take charge we win at all costs type thing is was clashed with me was now we're a few years into our marriage and um i'm unhappy with my weight and so i'm like okay yeah let's go to the gym like let's start going to the gym and so uh, as much as i was athletic in my younger years i never really liked the gym like i don't i don't really navigate well through like the gym like so i would work out i would have training sessions our teams my rep teams that we had we always had trainers we would go to like training facilities we would we would actually use york university but we always had trainers with us so i didn't really like i just followed instructions so to speak but Mm -hmm. anyhow Darnell had me in the gym and this is like coming off of me not doing anything irrespective of me being athletic at one point in my life and so he's like pushing me and like pushing and pushing and pushing to the point where like he's almost yelling but if you know Darnell he's he naturally speaks at a loud octave anyways but he's yelling and he's pushing and like my legs are cramping and he's telling me I can't stop and at one point no many points we got into like an actual yelling match and we got mm-hmm. into a fight mm-hmm. and then like he just got out like he just left the gym and he's like okay fine whatever you want to quit you want to be like that we're done i'm done i'm done with you like i'm mm-hmm. done i don't mess with quitters man and so <laughs> and and here i am i was like okay what's wrong with this man like i haven't been to the gym in how long and you're here thinking that like i don't know like i'm not i'm not training to run like a mile like i don't under i don't understand what you thought was going to happen but for him it was just like all or nothing like if i'm telling if i'm giving you an instruction and i'm telling you to to do this and to don't stop then i i need you to not stop but it was too much for me to handle and actually it took a really long time before i trusted him again to be like okay yeah let's go to the gym now together and so recently, remember the treadmill no I, I spoke about that one that was the one where you cramped where i cramped where you told me i couldn't stop and my leg was no cramping. no that was at the ymca no 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 it wasn't well no it was one at the ymca but the one no there was an instance in our apartment mm-hmm where where we had the gym in the apartment and yeah. my leg was cramping and I had to like hobble on blasted treadmill because Hob- yeah 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 you're because you, because you told me I couldn't stop and I'm like ninja you're crazy like I need to stop and then the time where you walked out on me was at the Y as at the Y yeah so I kind of messed yeah yeah yeah, yeah 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 so yeah. you walked out you on gave the treadmill up. you were hanging off and your feet were dragging you weren't even hobbling your feet were no. dragging and you were just holding on to it you didn't stop you just kept your foot uh, dragging on the on the treadmill yeah I was hobbling along <laughs> and I was like this guy is freaking crazy I'm never working out with him again I'm done uh so um yeah but yeah I- it, it, it took a while for me to even like what like he would always be like okay let's go to the gym and i said i'm never going anywhere with you again like i'm done with you mm-hmm. um but recently we actually started to go to the gym again and i started to actually enjoy it and enjoy taking his instruction um as much as i think my attitude adjusted in terms of like me getting serious in terms of taking my health seriously i also think he also adjusted as well in terms of managing personalities and understanding who his wife was um but yeah, so we're in a better situation well, now with that. Well, do you that. think, yeah, because part of it was, I think, like, in, 
like like I like me and you have talked about it before. Like I interpret things in terms of winning and losing. There's winners and there's losers. And I know that's politically incorrect, but in life there's winners and there's losers. You have winning habits and you have losing habits. Mm-hmm. If you practice losing habits, that makes you a loser. A loser. And when you practice winning habits, that makes you a winner. A winner. And so like I don't think that that I I don't know, I didn't I hope I don't think I changed. Um, but I think I think you kind of bought in more to like you know, you have to grind. Like at some point you have to um you know, make up your mind. And and part of like the art the discussions that we were always having was like 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 complaining. Right? Yeah. I'm okay with complaining. But as long as you're gonna do something about it. So um for those of you who know Dardell, like to call him for advice, so to speak. Like, yeah, just don't don't complain if you don't plan to adjust your behavior. Cause that's just the way he is. And it's also a part of him, like his coaching style. Like he's always wanted to coach coach and find, find results, but also like fix the problem. Like he's a solution oriented person. Like he just doesn't take well to, or you don't take well to, um, you don't take well to complaining for complaining sake. You're okay with complaining. as long as there's a result or there's a plan to not have that complaint arise again. Mm -hmm. And so I noticed that when coaching, but I noticed that also like in the way that you deal with people, the way that you deal with me, the way that you deal with, um, problems. Um, -hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. And and that's all I was, that's all. And I think you just bought in because like, yeah, now like it's funny. Yeah. You're enjoying the gym and I'm pushing you Mm -hmm. and, and like my, like how would you say I'm, cause now that we're going through full workout sessions together, what's my coaching like in the midst of that? Because even then, those times you didn't even get past the door, mm-hmm. right? Like my, I, like I don't think I, I've changed. I'm still like pushing you hard, but, but what would you say is, um, the difference? Or, or now that you've gone through a full session with me, what is my coaching style like? Um, I think you're still very much the, the motivator. So I still feel like you're motivating your uh encouraging uh but you're also like not not allowing me to quit and everything is like a up the ante like everything you up the ante with so it's like you're never you're never okay with with like complacency so to speak okay like we did this once this way and we did like three sets of this okay well now like let's up it like most people will try to like take take their time but you never really take your time it's kind of like you're pushing all the time to be better and to do better and to do more. And so I think for me, yeah, I probably just adjusted my behavior and probably got a bit more serious in terms of, of what being I wanted focused. to do. Being focused. Yeah. And I think probably mentally, I like, I just adjusted my mental behavior in terms of like, okay, this is my husband. This is who he is. And he's going to speak like this and I can't interpret it. I can't interpret it as him yelling at me and being mean. I have to interpret it as like, I said I wanted to go to the gym and he said he was going to help me. And now he's my trainer husband. Like he's my husband first, but he's my trainer now. And so he's just pushing me to do better. And I think once I adjusted my behavior that way or my thinking that way, um, the gym became a lot more enjoyable for me to do it with you because I was always just afraid to do it with you because 
It's like, man, this guy's gonna start yelling again. Yeah, but see, but that's my point though. Like, like you, like that's the thing. You can't be afraid of that confrontation in the in in the gym. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, why? Like, why is there confrontation? Because you don't want to work hard. Yeah, I don't want to work hard. Yeah, come or... on, man. That's look. I'm already. Getting that <laughs> what do you mean? Like, you don't want to work hard. No, what no. I should say like I should say like I don't want to work hard. I think I just think. Okay, maybe I was just like afraid of the resistance, and I think for me, I think the difficulty. Well, you know, hey, and not just for you, because I'm sure there's husbands listening right now who've yeah. gone to work out with their wives. Yeah, like I think I was just afraid. And of, this has happened of the resistance in terms of like. And then I'm kind of like going into shock too, because like my body, like I just wasn't used to it. Like I wasn't used to those feelings. And like I said, like I played sports before, but like being out of shape was never something that I experienced. Mm-hmm. I didn't really know it. So like I remember being a young kid and pudgy, like a bit, like probably like around like six, seven. Mm-hmm. And so like my dad would always take me to go play basketball and work out, and he would force you to like ride your bike and be outside and those types of things. But you're young, so like you're a kid, and so you naturally have like an endurance. But then I started to play sports, and I started to play soccer competitively competitively and i played in rep leagues and so like i was just naturally athletic so i never had to to push my body in particular ways because Mm -hmm. i was always i was always relatively at a higher peak Mm -hmm. and so i did i've never and i've never been overweight so i think that was the key Mm -hmm. i've never been like an overweight person so i don't know what it's like Mm -hmm. to now be bigger than what i usually am and now having to work off that weight versus Mm -hmm. me working out to maintain my strength Mm-hmm. So for me, every time I worked out, every time I was at the gym, every time we had training sessions and plyometrics, like it was just me working and pushing to main my, maintain my strength or build more muscle, not necessarily lose weight and fat in that way. Mm-hmm. And so it, it was a different mindset and adjustment that I had to do that I wasn't used to that you were more well-versed in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And all I, all I just kept preaching to you was that, you know, um, you know, I, it's, you know, I have a, a sentiment that I always give to people that I train people that I disciple. And I always ask the same question, where's your head at? Mm -hmm. Like you have to check in. And part of the problem that, you know, we were running into earlier is that you, you weren't checking in and, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, like mentally you weren't there. (laughs) Like you, like you were at the gym, but your body was at the gym, but your head was somewhere else. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, usually my head was like, uh, I can't believe I got up this early in the morning. I should be sleeping right now. It's 5.30. It's 6 o'clock. I could be in my bed. I don't start work till 9 o'clock. Like, why am I here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, but or, now... or just like, this is too hard and this is annoying. Yes, and yes. Mm-hmm. He's going to start yelling every second mm-hmm. or he's going to tell me to run on the treadmill for mm-hmm. 15 minutes and I can only do a minute and I just mm-hmm. can't right now. Yeah, well, okay. Well, right there, your 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 mind isn't right. You you haven't checked in. Your head is not in the right place. Mm-hmm. If you're thinking those things and you're trying to get into the gym and get results, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know what I mean. So part of it was just to psychologically rewiring yeah, your mind. Yeah, but I think, but I think even for you, I think you did a better job. I don't even know what number we were on the fourth or fifth time around. Like this, this last round, I'll, I'll call it, mm-hmm. in terms of like preparing me beforehand in terms of what like to expect what to what to expect oh okay so i feel like you you manage like in terms of like your previous point about managing personalities i feel like you manage me a bit better in terms of preparing me to preparing me to be prepared to go to the gym Mm -hmm. and sometimes it was as simple as like and you probably didn't you probably didn't realize you were doing it i don't know but something was as simple as like 
coaching me as to what to expect and how you actually lose weight. So I had one idea of like what it meant to lose weight, mm-hmm. but you were always educating me before you even got there of like what it meant to lose weight. So mm-hmm. now I had an expectation of like, okay, this is what I need to do. Or you would send me the articles or you would send me the workouts in mm-hmm. advance. Mm-hmm. And I'm the type of person where I, I need to like read up on stuff before I can like actually mm-hmm. move or do any type of action. Like I always need to know mm-hmm. what I'm about to walk into. Mm-hmm. And so then I was always sending me the information beforehand mm-hmm. and being mm-hmm. like okay we have to do this and this is why and like so the articles would explain what you're doing why you have to do it why you have to do it how long you have to do mm-hmm. it and how long you should expect to see like results in or like what that kind of looks like and so that was helpful for me for like okay this is what i'm about to do it's arm day today or it's leg day today or it's chest day or it's back day whatever mm-hmm. the case is mm-hmm. and this is why we're doing it mm-hmm. and then and then within like a few weeks you start to see the results of like okay my arms look mm-hmm. better. I could see the tone. Okay, mm-hmm. my shirt actually buttons up that couldn't actually button up mm-hmm. before. And so, okay, this is why that chest and that back yeah. thing makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, the biceps, so. your arms are getting more tone. Right. Um, And then, yeah, you're getting, you're seeing the results and now you're getting hungry. You mm-hmm. you want more. Yeah. You want, you, you know, you, now you start to get greedy. You're mm-hmm. like, okay, yo, yo, let me see if I can sneak in some push-ups here at home. Mm-hmm. let me see if I could sneak in a couple workouts and now you're seeing the results and you get hungry and you want more and more. Right. So, yeah. So again, so, you know, for, for the uh, husbands and wives who are listening, who've, and I'm sure as many who've kicked off, you know, working out mm-hmm. together because the husbands are, you know, are, got the mamba mentality and, yes. and, the, and the wives got the mama mentality. <laughs> so, so, you know, it, it's important to make sure that, you know, you're on the same page, but you know, when you go into the gym, it's a different beast. And you have mentally have to check in when you get under that bar and, and do that bench press or whatever the case is and ready to push your body. So, yeah, it was, it's been a lot of fun. And I appreciate, um, you know, your feedback. And you've coached me. It isn't just me. It's not just you coaching me, coaching you, but you've coached me um, in, in my in my down times. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mic check, mic check. You're yeah, good? I think so. Okay. Um, so with respect to working out with your spouse... Uh, ladies, uh, I would say know your husband, like for real, for real. Remember the man and the type of man that you said I do to. So when I think about D and uh, the person he is, uh, he's always been consistent in his behavior and his in his approach um, to life. So when I started to remember those things before our workout and during our workout, it made me dealing with him a lot easier. I, I reinterpreted his his tone into like I said before like not yelling but encouraging and motivating like he was pushing me because he knew and wanted to draw out the best out of me and he knew that he was pushing me because I wasn't going to break and so it made dealing with him a lot easier and for you husbands out there that have decided to take on the very difficult task of working out with your spouse in some cases and maybe you guys have a different relationship I don't know uh, but men I would encourage you Um, to live with your wife in an understanding way. Uh, The gym is a scary place and some women may not know how to navigate that space. Uh, We get sucked into fancy things that we see in workout books and things that we see on Pinterest, Pinterest. (laughs) um, YouTube videos. And we think we know what working out is by doing these little, I won't, I won't call anything out for the sake of just not doing it but you think you know what working out is and you think you know that doing these little things that you see in these little five minute workouts is going to actually make you lose weight um, but there's actually a, a, a bigger process um, and that's why the men are in the gym in the way they are in the gym 
and getting the results that they get. And so it's not magic why weight comes off of their body and it doesn't necessarily, well, in the case it is magic in terms of men, but you guys get my point. Um, so live with us in an understanding way. And then, and we are often coming into the gym with like negative head spaces and really, and not sometimes the best uh, body image and reflection. We're not happy about where we are currently at. Um, and I know in my case, I was insecure because I couldn't quite see how Darnell could still possibly find me attractive at this weight because um, I know him since I was young and I've never been at this weight. I've never been at this weight mm-hmm. or this size. And so you're, you're, you're battling a whole bunch of things and there's hormones raging and all these other types of things. And so I'd say for you men, um, just live with your wife in an understanding way and just continue to educate her and bring her along and encouraging her to be the best version of, of her. And even if, she quote unquote fails, so to speak, because it does take a few times, like you still love her and you love her even, even where she is at right now. And so that was always helpful for me too. Like, so now I'm getting healthy because I want to be healthy, not necessarily because Darnell wants to see me at this particular size or this particular weight. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I would just add a little bit to the end that, yeah, for the guys, just, you know, love your wife, you know, a woman's body evolves and so you're loving her through all the stages that her body goes through. Um, and at the end of the day, she has to want it. You can't want it for her. Mm-hmm. Um, so as soon as she wants it for herself, then you can come alongside her and help. So, yeah, that, that's a good point, babe. Thanks. So my final question for you, um, because I know you also asked your interviewees this question, is how would you motivate your players um, if they were docking it or just not, not up to snuff, like they're just having a rough day or a bad day? Uh, but for me, like the way I motivate my guys is I always ask the same question. Where's your heart at? Where's your head at? Mm-hmm. Where's your heart at? Right. And based on their response, you know, I'm I'm really trying to get in there and fire up. So if they say something like, man, I'm just I'm just having a bad day at school. You know, teachers, you know, about to fail me. I'm like, fail you. You know, for me, I'm like, OK, well. You know what? We can work on that. But right now, this is business. Because when you go into the workforce, you know, the boss doesn't care what, what your wife's doing at home or what your kids are doing at home. They need results. Right now, we're at practice. This is business. You got to learn to check in and then check out. I can help you with, with passing your grades and stuff. But I need you to be take it to the next level for me today, right now, in this moment. Like, I need you. Like I can't, I can't afford not to have you here. I can't afford not to have you here mentally. I need you, bro. I need you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So for them to be like, okay, okay, yo, co- well, coach needs me right now. And I said, yo, I got you off the court, whatever it is, I got you. But I need you right now. You see what I'm saying? Right. So, so my thing is always to, um, to draw them into the moment and ask, where's your head at? Where's your heart at? Like I need to see your heart. And so I'm always appealing, and that's why I'm always fiery. Like, like I, I, I need you now. I need you to check in. Like, whatever's happening off the floor, you're here now, and that's and that's for life. Same thing with your with anything you do in life. You know, whether you're married and you come home to your kids, um, and you had a rough day at work, you can't bring that home. Mm-hmm. That's not that's not fair to your kids. That's not fair to your wife. You know what I mean? Like, like transferring trouble is not a thing. Like, I know, I know you, we want to be sensitive um, to what people are going through, um, but it's very important to make a practice of checking in. 
whether you're at home and you're with your wife, okay, now this is quality time. I can't let my boss being a jerk come into this quality time I have with my wife and kids. Or I'm coming into work and I can't let the trouble I'm having at home impact my work because if I don't get a paycheck, nobody's eating. Mm -hmm. And especially for those who elite athletes, you know, as you get up the ladder and, and you're on scholarship and you're playing for an elite program, like they don't really care about what happens to you off the floor because there's a lot of money at stake for you to perform. So training your mind and your, your mind to be able to um, check in and check out and compartmentalize. It, of course, it's, it's a tough thing. It's a tough thing because the other alternative is what? You in have terms to, of like you not checking in and checking yeah. out? What's the, what's the alternative? You're checking in somewhere else. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. Well, well, well you have to leave practice. You have to let your team down. Um, you have to let um, your coaches no, down. Saying, you have like to you let your wife down. Should, like, yeah. Like, you I'm just saying you may, you may go crazy. Yeah. You, yeah. But you're letting your wife down. You're letting your kids down. Right? So... So it all falls down in a sense. So that's why I've always like looked at things in terms of wins and losses. And I know it's it's annoyed you um, sometimes. Sometimes, yes. Yeah, but but at, at the end of the day, you know, in life there's winners and losers, and not every you know not everybody's a winner. Um, winning winning doesn't mean getting the victory at the end, but it means having good habits. And so again, for motivation, like I said, I, I always try to fire my guys up and ask, "Where's your heart at? Right? Where where's your head at? Um, yeah." I got that uh, quote from Above the Rim um, with Mozart. <laughs> Mozart said to Kyle, and he said, you, know, he's, you know, he dunked on Kyle. I was like, where's your heart at? I don't see no heart. Right? So you're kind of like, yeah, man. We, we kind of have to check ourselves and be like, okay, look. My wife needs me. My boss needs me. My coach needs me. My teammates need me. Like, I, whatever I'm going through, that I can come back to that. I can't carry that over. Now, of course, you know, for, for, for mental illnesses um, and people that, that suffer with these things, um, they can't do that, right? You can't do that. And, and you have to go get professional help for that. And, 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 that, and I understand that. Mm -hmm. um, but for those people who do not have a mental health issue, um, yeah, you, you, you got to learn to rewire um, your makeup to be able to be successful in life because you know mm -hmm. i would argue so that you don't develop a mental health issue you're gonna have to learn how to do that mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that would be my argument yeah like, yeah certain like certain things like that could drive you mad it could drive you crazy i've i've seen people where that's happened to where like because they don't have the ability to turn certain things off and, not, and it doesn't it doesn't mean to become cold mm -hmm. but maybe just to like check in into what's going on now or not letting other things seep into other areas of your life mm -hmm. where you're unable to function now because mm -hmm. of something else that happened mm -hmm. has driven people that I know. Yeah. You know, I'm glad, I'm glad you brought that, know, that up. Crazy. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because when I got sick for like a year and a half, so people are probably listening. Oh, you got sick. Yeah. I was sick for a year and a half. Basically I was on medication I shouldn't have been on and I came off of it cold Turkey and my body went through withdrawal. So basically I, I had a new body. So I was getting infections. My feet were swollen. I got an infection in my face where I almost went blind and deaf. Uh, and so like I couldn't do anything for myself. I was in a bad space, constantly sweating. It was, uh, Breaking out in infections was bad. And so Tyra, <laughs> so now, now we went from two incomes down to one. And now Tyra's carrying my load and her load. And she's just 
she's making dinner, she's cleaning up, she's taking care of me, she's going to work, she's doing everything. And people kept asking her, hey, are you okay? Hey, why aren't you grieving because your husband isn't doing well? And everybody kept checking in on you. They kept saying, oh, wow, you know, your situation is so bad. Your situation is so bad. Um, How are you keeping? And what would you say? I think for me, it was like, I don't like I, I, I recognized what it was. And I would just tell people, like, I don't have time to to ponder on the fact that like he's not well. Like, it's, 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 I shouldn't say it like that. I have to do what I have to do in order to make sure that we survive. And get the I have win. To, yeah, I, to I have win. to, I have to, I have to succeed. Like, there's no other option. Like, I have to go to work. I have to get my paycheck. I have to come home and I have to make sure that the house is not disarray and I have to take care of my husband. Mm-hmm. And as much as a yes, it was a lot. And because, like, work was extremely busy too. And it was just, a, a, it was, that was also a, a different stressful environment. Um, yeah, you just, it just had to get done. And uh, probably for me and probably for, my benefit most importantly and darnell's benefit as well um i was used to that kind of grind being athletic and that that kind of afforded me the opportunity of being like okay no you have to perform like like Mm -hmm. you have to get it done like there's no option like failure is not an option Mm -hmm. so don't even entertain it Mm -hmm. don't even don't even entertain about what if i can't do it just just take it one task at a time and for me like that's what it was it was taking it one task at a time like i couldn't think beyond tomorrow or next week or the next paycheck or what about ei or what if this would come in or what if that can't come in if what if darnell doesn't get better what if the doctor's results are this like it's okay we're at the hospital and the doctor's saying this mm-hmm. i need to address this mm-hmm. i'm at home now and this needs to get done then this needs to mm-hmm. get done mm-hmm. i'm at work and i'm at work and i have to do what i have to do to to mm-hmm. make sure that i'm okay at work and that i'm getting things done and i'll worry about home when i'm on my way home mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I, and I will say that in spite of those things, like, yes, there were people checking in on me and there was times where things were becoming overwhelming mm-hmm. and I had to recognize that I also am not superwoman. So I have this tendency to be able to take things on a lot. Mm-hmm. And so I did also seek help from people and I did have my my people, so to speak, that I would go to and speak to and ask for prayer about because like I really can't handle this and mm-hmm. this is becoming difficult and um, our parents would be helping. We had we had help. Like mm-hmm. our church was helping. Mm-hmm. Our parents helped. Whether it was cooking meals or your mom coming and mm-hmm. helping with certain tasks. Mm-hmm. So like I did have help. So like I wasn't like superwoman. So I'll, mm-hmm. I'll put that out there. Like you still mm-hmm. have to have those mental health breaks where it's just like, okay, you can't take all this load and you have mm-hmm. to recognize that this is just too much, mm-hmm. or you will go crazy. Uh, any last words? Any last thoughts? Uh, yeah. No. Just um, I'm excited about project mm-hmm. and it's one of those things where you know giving a per- giving someone their flowers while while they can still give smell them, them yeah give them the flowers while they still smell yeah, them yeah give them the flowers while they still smell them. so i really appreciate these men um that that i did interviews with yeah and i'd also like to add that you know the canadian basketball community is big yet small and there's a lot of overlap with with a lot of us some of us grew up together and are now coaching each other's kids and it's a really good feeling to walk into a lot of these gyms and see the guys that are coaching or guys that I played with or guys that I um, played under or guys that I used to coach as kids which is really cool which shows that Canadian basketball is in really good hands and I'm really excited to see where Canadian hoops goes from here on out especially in light of the Raptors winning the championship and us having a lot of guys in the league Um, you know it's only up from here for all of us So that's it, guys. Uh, Be sure to, you know, the usual, 
share, like, subscribe, comment, and remember to say thanks, coach.